Welcome to the Word Ministry of Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We trust that the following message will be a blessing. Open up your hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you through the preaching and teaching of one of God's choice servants. Hi, church family. I first want to wish everybody a very, very happy and blessed new year. We're thankful that we can start our new year in the Lord and trusting in Him, not in anything else. And so as we typically do in the new year, just want to remind everyone that we will have a week of what we call consecration prayer. And so starting this week from uh, Sunday through till Friday, we will be having a prayer Zoom every night, and you're invited to join us. All you need to do is check out our social media or get in touch with us for the link, and each night will be a different theme. So we hope many of you will join us. So today I want to share a little bit um, in our series. We're in a series of Death to Life, and last week we started off with Pastor Michael sharing um, on the beginning of the series. And so as we're sharing this series and coming into the new year and, you know, still in this COVID, uh, spending time with our family was very different this year during the holidays. And just our holidays were different. And so a lot of us spend a lot more time with our families, or at least our immediate families, than we're used to. And I heard a lot of good reports from so many families as to how that was. And I know it was a very good experience for our family. And so one of the things we did over the holidays was watch some movies together. And so we, one of the movies I had my kids watch was an old-time classic called Casablanca. And if you never watched it, um, feel free to pull it up and watch it. And in this movie, it's interesting, it was made so long ago, there were so many taglines in this movie that we still use today, like, play it again, Sam, and here's looking at you, kids. So... There are, we kept seeing so many little phrases that, that my kids didn't even realize came from this movie. But as we were watching it, it really made me think because it reflected on the time. And it reflected also to me on how far our morals and the media industry, what they have fed us, has really tanked from when that movie was made to now. And let me explain. You see, in this movie... A woman falls in love with a man, and so they plan to go on and start a life together, and she disappears and never follows through. And we find out as time goes on that uh, she had been married and thought her husband had died, and so that's why she was moving on to this new relationship. And when she found out in the process right before she was going to go off and start a new life with this person that she met, when she found out that her husband was alive, she actually stopped her plans in the name of commitment and did not follow her heart in the name of love or what we call love or what Hollywood now calls love. And I realized that this movie was made in such a way where, where we saw strong morals that we don't see today in the industry, where now it's just like whatever your heart tells you, follow. And uh, Pastor Mike shared that. And so I really appreciated this movie, but I also began to see where our culture has come to. And so we, 
when Mike shared last week, Pastor Mike, uh, he started with Ephesians, and I'm going to read that. We have a culture that promotes selfishness and greed. Greed is so at the core of everything that I believe is wrong in our nation. And often, uh, selfishness is promoted in the name of self-care. Now, there is a need for self-care, but there is a difference between self-care and selfishness. And that seems to get a little muddled at times. And it's hard for us often to distinguish because we have, so, we have been born into this fallen nature and are living in a fallen world. So I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 again from last week. And it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in the children of disobedience. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and the thoughts. And Pastor Mike shared last week about how things were before we received Christ. Our lives we were dead in our transgressions, and the way he put it is that we were desensitized. So when you're in darkness and have never been exposed to the light, you don't even know you're in darkness until you come out. And when light comes in and you see things very differently, we were all in the realm of darkness. We were all following the ways of the world. We were all desensitized to different degrees in what is sin is just following our natural cravings and desires, some of them just normal and seeming to be good and some of them not. But no matter what, those cravings and desires are not just benign, but they're influenced by the ruler of the kingdom of this world, the prince of the power of the air, of the power of the atmosphere. Yes, the devil is a real entity with a delegation of demons under him, but we're not going to get into that today. Uh, at some point in the future, I'll get to share with you a whole series on that so you can understand. Um, but today, we're going to continue in this darkness and light. And so God has rescued us, it says in Colossians 1.13, from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. And First Peter also emphasizes that he who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So yes, when we come to Christ, we are taken out of a realm of darkness and into light. And we definitely see and experience things very differently. Uh, we were called out of this darkness. And why, how, and for what? So Ephesians 1, 4 through 10 goes on and says, Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sins. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressing his kindness to us in Christ. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by work, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handy work created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. So the why is his love for you. The how is salvation through grace. It's a gift. It's not anything you could have done. And now what is that you are his workmanship and you were created for good works. In this new life, that we have received in Christ, we have a mission. In that mission, we have assignments. We have assignments, you have assignments, you have a long-term assignment that are principle-based, and you have short-term assignments that are specific to the moment. 
So we can easily be distracted from our mission and our assignments in life. But both the long-term and short-term missions uh, are there, are attached to us, and we need to keep ourselves focused because the twists and turns of life so readily detract us, to take us away from our mission and our assignments. But actually, if we trust God, these twists and turns that we cannot predict can enhance our assignments as long as we stay focused on what our mission is. So we need to understand a little bit about what that is because we can easily begin to take on other people's missions, not God's mission. We can take on other people's agendas, not God's agenda. So we need to begin to understand what is God's agenda for our life. We need to be strengthened in every place we find ourselves and know that our contentment, our joy, and our peace is not contingent on our surroundings and circumstances, but on our walking in our God-given purpose. As it says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. So as we enter this new year, it would be good to not only seek God for our needs, but to seek him to know and understand our mission and our assignments. We are created to worship him, and we are also created for good works. Not just to sit on our rumps and just live by instinct as animals to meet our needs, you see, your journey in this life is both missional and transformational. Your assignments are both missional and transformational. They are both long-term and short-term specific. They are both principle-centered and outcome-propelled. So your mission and assignment does not follow some aspects of God and his word, like upholding his law, yet neglect other aspects like mercy and love and compassion. As Jesus told his disciples, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You pay tithe on every little thing. You're so detailed in every jot and tittle and letter of the law, but you have disregarded the weightier matters of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You swallowed a gnat, you, you, you strained out a gnat, but you swallowed a camel. I loved how Jesus just talk so straightforward and, and brought truth in such a real way. So as we continue to understand we are his workmanship created for good works, we want to understand what that is, what that looks like, and we want to understand what brings us peace, satisfaction, and joy. And what does is knowing and walking in that mission and purpose, knowing we're in the right place, where we're supposed to be in Christ, in that place of mission and transformation. How do we know if we're in that right place? Do we want to know if we're in that right place? Or are we, or are we afraid, like Adam and Eve, and hide from God, especially when we feel like we're falling short or missing it? We hide from God by staying distant. But if we knew the love of God for us, we would never be afraid. Do we know how to identify our mission and assignment? So let's start off with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live to themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. So from now on, 
We regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And here we're seeing transformation and mission. That God was reconciling himself to the world in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God in him. So we see here, we see transformation in an exchange of our unrighteousness for Christ's righteousness, but we also see a mission that we have been given in that. So it's not just about receiving his wonderful gifts, but now we have been given an assignment of being his ambassadors so others may know as well. Here are some helps for us to stand in that right place. Um, I'm going to give you some exercises actually to apply at the end in a practical way. I love to give just practical um, applications. But last week, Pastor Mike left us with some basic things that I'm going to reiterate. He said we need to worship, pray, and read the Word. These are basics. They sound so basic. Um, but we need to understand how important they are and how to really incorporate them in our lives successfully. So in order to know if we are journeying correctly, we need time with God. And we need to not be afraid of spending that time with God or what may be revealed in that time of God, knowing the love and good intentions of our Father for us. So we need to trust in the work of Jesus on the cross, and he provides healing, forgiveness, and God's love for us, a full representation of God's love for us. And we need reliance on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us, convict us about our sin and wrongdoings, not condemn us, not shame us, but convict us. The Holy Spirit guides us. He's there to encourage us, and he's there to comfort us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us true and lasting peace. So the Holy Spirit helps us to hear from God when we take this time and space for God to speak to us in these places of prayer, of worship, and of the Word. So we hear from God in prayer when we pray in a place of surrender, when we pray in a place of desire for His will above our own, when we lay our own wills and agenda down and ask to know the will of God in our lives and in life around us, then our prayers will be effective. We hear from God in the Word. As we read it, it's, it's just so principle-based. If people that did not even know Christ lived their lives according to the Word of God, it would so improve their lives. So that's the Logos Word. It's just the Word of God. It applies to every area of our life. It's not just about doctrine, but it's about life in every place. But so many times, and that's the Logos word, that's just the word that comes to all of us. But so many times when we read the Bible, the Logos word becomes a rhema word. The word that God gives us becomes a specific 
specific intentional word for us in our need, in our situation. And you never know when that's going to happen. So many times we've read the Bible. So many times we were just sitting in a room with our children reading the Bible and God would just speak to our hearts all of a sudden. God would just make things jump up and I would know that it was him speaking to me. And so as we put ourselves to a discipline of reading the word, we not only are learning life principles, but we are giving God an opportunity to speak to us in our daily life. And he is so aware and so wanting to be there. We hear from God in worship because we come right into his presence. We behold him. We are exposed and accepted at the same time. And that is awesome. And we are changed in his presence. In his presence, we are changed. That is transformational. And we, it says in the scripture, who with unveiled faces reflect the glory of the Lord are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. So you see, when the more we're in the presence of God, in a place of worship, God can speak to us. The Holy Spirit can work in our lives, strengthen us, encourage us, motivate us, lift the burdens from us. Just things just begin to fall off of our shoulders, weights and heaviness as we're in that place of worship. In a place of worship, our eyes are on God. When we're in a place of worship, you understand we can go, we're not just singing songs, but we have access right into his presence. So we're in a place of worship. We are actually beholding God. We are able to, whether we choose to do that or not, but we are able, no matter what we've done or who we are, we're able to come right there, be in his presence and behold him. And you understand when we see him, when we behold him, when we're in his presence, everything takes a different focus. When we see him, we are strengthened. We are encouraged. We are able to see things and put things in their right perspective. So it's so important that we make that a part of our life, not only when we're in church, but when we're home. So we need the Word and the Holy Spirit to hear from God, to be transformed in Him, and to understand His mission and purpose in our lives and become the best you that you can be. So let's talk about transformation. Transformation happens when we steadily keep ourselves in a place of worship, surrendered prayer, and studying His Word. As we said, we develop this intimate relationship with God and, and it's important that we are in that place, even in the word. You know, it says in James, anyone that hears the word but doesn't carry it out is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then goes away and forgets what he looks like. So when we're talking about being in the word, we're talking about a steady, consistent time of not just reading it, but thinking about it and beginning to put it into practice. And so we're going to talk about our part in transformation because you see transformation is done in the presence of God as he works in our lives, as he changes things we cannot change, as he just does his work. It's amazing. It's something we can't even fully explain, but he works in us. He changes us. But some of the transformation is also done on our part. And so what is our part? Our part is when we begin to, as we intently learn God's ways 
and learn his word and observe that we begin to change habits and patterns in our lives. And that's what James is talking about. And, and, and Ephesians 4 speaks to that in terms of, of lifestyles. And he says, verse 17, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of your thinking. They're darkened in understanding, separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity. Then again, that's a desensitizing that Pastor Michael talked about. They have given themselves over to sensuality, to indulge in every kind of impurity and are full of greed. There's again that core base of so much of what's wrong in our world. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him according to the truth in Jesus. So when we come to Christ, you see the Ephesians, they weren't brought up uh, with a knowledge of God and with the word of God. So they were learning a whole new way of life. They were learning to establish new patterns in their lives based on God's word. And we often need to do that too. We have to learn. We have to be intentional to change negative patterns. We all have default modes based on what we've done. And, and whatever our default mode is feels normal, even if it's wrong. Um, it looks normal. It may feel right, even if it's wrong. And so to understand default modes, we, got, we have to understand grooves. We dig out grooves in our lives by continual behaviors. The more we act in a certain way, it's like when, when a truck goes over a road, a dirt road, over and over again, and cars go over over and over again, it begins to dig out paths and grooves. And so what happens is every time you go, you automatically fall into that groove and follow that same pattern. And in fact, um, science tells us that neurowaves are created in our brains, which are kind of like those grooves, which, which create behavior patterns that we continue in. So if you want to change a pattern, you have to dig a new groove. And it takes effort to dig a new groove. And it takes a lot of intentionality to dig a new groove. So that's our part because sometimes we have to dig new grooves. God doesn't just come down and force our physical body and our mind and our actions to do things. We have to do things that will benefit us. We have to do things that will help us in this journey. And so as we read the word, we then need to act upon the word and act upon what we learn and begin to set new patterns in our lives, dig new grooves, make new ways of doing things. And it, it, if we don't, if you don't create a new groove, you will automatically fall into the old groove. And that's the default. That's the default mode. It will just automatically go back to there. So that's why it's so important for us to be intentional. And even as we start this new year off, and even as we've had opportunity in COVID, COVID has been a great opportunity for us to dig new grooves because sometimes we're just so comfortable in our patterns. And when we have to create a new pattern, when we have to do things different, it gives us a chance to think about it, to think about what do we want to do different. You know, I told everyone back in March, that this pandemic was not going to be short-lived. I knew it as I prayed. God wanted to bring change, and he was going to use this. In order for God to bring change, there needs to be enough time of breaking up old norms and disintegrating them in order to bring a new norm. And so our part is to begin to see, God, what is it that you want us to do? What is it that we've been doing that we can't do? You see, the mission of God is not 
curtailed. It's not stopped by circumstances. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So our mission is not stopped by COVID. Our mission is not stopped by who's ever in office. Our mission is not stopped by politics. Our mission is not stopped by anything because Jesus said nothing will stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail. So we need to begin to think what is our mission and what are we doing and what can we do different? And in every circumstance and situation, what can we do to fulfill our mission? So we need to stay focused Think hard about what kind of grooves we want to think, we want to dig this year. What kind of grooves do you want to dig? What can you be intentional about in our new norm? If you don't create a groove, you'll go back into default mode. And we have had a lot of time to begin to create new grooves. So let's, let's evaluate them. And hopefully a lot of them have been good and a lot of them um, are, are taking us in a better direction. So we want to stay focused and understand the principles. So in light of COVID and so much that's going around us, here are some of the principles we want to understand. First of all, we want to stay connected to the body of Christ and the church family that God placed you in. And so we, not everybody has been able to come to church. And we had periods of time when we were not in church, but we found ways to do church. And we found that there were some things we were neglecting by coming to church that when we couldn't come to church, we were able to even do more successfully. So it gives us a chance to think, how are we really connecting in the family of God? How are we looking out? For our brothers and sisters in the family of God, how are we ministering to each other? Maybe we can do things better. Maybe we can do things more personal. Um, and maybe we can be more aware rather than saying hi and bye on Sundays to everyone. And I'm not saying we should stop coming Sundays. We're excited that we've been able to come out every week. And we know some people are still not able to. And so we're glad you can join us on our online services, but that's not enough. There needs to be more and deeper connections in the body of Christ. Um, you don't want to ever isolate yourself. So we'll also be rolling out new plans this year, plans of discipleship, plans how you can grow in your faith, plans of how you can learn the word more deeply. And, you know, quite honestly, I'm excited that we've been forced to record things because now we can make so many teachings available to so many more people and do it in a way that it's convenient for them instead of driving around the block a hundred times to try to find a parking space here in Brooklyn, New York. Um, so there's ways that people can obtain a lot more of what we want to offer. So we're, we're glad that we have, are looking for as a church ways to dig new grooves, to do things in a way that we can fulfill our mission and do it even better. So we set new routines in our homes and with our families. Um, some, you know, many people just depended on church for their children. But this is an opportunity now that many of us are working from home. Many of us are at home more. We're not running out to this meeting or that to spend time with our children. But not just time, but to be intentional with that time. To read the word together with our children, with our family, to, to think it through together, to pray together, to worship together. You know, um, all our years of working with our, our many children, we always made time every day um, for many years to read and to pray with them. And it's interesting that in many of those times of reading the Word together with my children, 
It gave me greater understanding. Some of those times God actually spoke to me when I was just trying to teach them and made that Logos word become Rhema word to me. And the Holy Spirit brought conviction in my life to things that I needed to change. So the word of God is, is alive and it's active. So we want to read it with our children, teach it to our children, disciple our children, make sure that they are knowing God, that they are knowing the love of God, that they are praying and worshiping and knowing how important they are to God. So we can take these opportunities to do that in our homes, take opportunities to change other things in our homes, set new routines, set new patterns, not just the things that are overtly spiritual, but things that will help us in just our interactions and our emotional well-being, learning how to create some patterns of love, of support, of encouragement, um, and I'm going to get into that as we go, as we get to close and go through just some things you can do every day, some real practical things. So uh, a principle is we want to love and be loved. Treat your fellow human beings with dignity, knowing that they are made in God's image like you, even if they've not come to know Christ yet. Whether they're standing close to you and too close to you in a grocery store or whether they don't agree with your political views, treat them with dignity. It's so important. I've just seen so much of, of poor treatment of believer to believer, of, of just human being to human being because there's disagreement. We need to know that this is a principle that we need to take into our new norm and apply in all that we do. We need to know what really counts, what brings joy, what brings peace, what brings contentment and satisfaction. Greed is at the core of all sin. We don't recognize greed always. So I found that what is making life happy for me so often and what brings fulfillment every day is living missional and, and transformational for the sake of others, not just for myself. Who can I bless today? How can I carry out God's desires today? Where can I be an encouragement? So we want to, we want to also follow the principle of receiving and showing grace. You know, I, I start my day thinking, who can I encourage? Who can I lead to Christ? Who can I help continue in Christ? Not because I am perfect or have it all together, but because I have been given grace in my imperfection. I have been given a mission in my imperfection. And I am allowing God's transformational work in my life at the same time. And so I need you to allow God's transformational work and grace in my life. And you need me to allow God's grace in your life. And the more we do this, grace is loving people for real and loving ourselves for real because we need to love ourselves in our imperfections and love others in their imperfections. So last week, you know, Mike even said, when you fail... Remember your position in Christ. Stop trying to fix yourself. It doesn't mean you don't have a part to play, but the gospel works from the inside out, and that's the power of the gospel. You can change the world from the inside out through the gospel, and we need to realize this is our predominant mission. So our mission is for the sake of others. Our transformation is for the sake of ourselves and others and for the sake of Christ, and our mission and our transformation are in Christ and him alone, no matter what is going on around us. We are not entrapped by that. So let's keep focused in the middle and reset some habits for the better. 
some applications for our new year and some COVID resets that we can think about is, I'm going to share these things. I'm going to say, think about it in threes. So, um, and this really helped me. Uh, a good friend of mine shared this with me years ago when I was struggling um, with, with different areas of discouragement, oppression, and depression. So he told me, before you go to bed, think of three things that you're thankful for. You know, and, and again, this is ways we have to get ourselves into even new grooves of how we think and how we respond and how we face life. So I'm going to challenge you with these applications. Before you go to bed every night, think of three things you are thankful for and go to bed thinking of those things. Then when you wake up in the morning, find three people you can encourage in some way, whether it's through a text, whether it's through uh, uh, something you'll respond to them positively on their social media, whether it's an email or a word or whatever it can be, a phone call, find three people you can encourage in some way. Throughout your day, look for three positive, encouraging things to say to someone in your household or someone that's close to you. Um, and this is so important because sometimes we just tend to respond or speak our minds when something is wrong or bothering us. But find something encouraging, affirming, recognize something that you see in someone and voice it out to them three times a day. Three times a day. Think of what you're thankful for going to bed. Find three people you can encourage in some way. Look for three positive, encouraging things to say to someone in your household. And you can pick a different person every day. So keep sight of the mission in all you do. If it can be thwarted, then it's not your mission. In things you can change, find a way to enhance mission and assignments. How can we see the good in what seems bad? I'll never forget, I was sharing with a fellow minister um, at a conference once, and we were talking about my son Justin last year when their church uh, that was meeting in a school was no longer allowed to, and just how he bounced back and was so resilient. And, and my friend Adam said, you know, I've never seen anyone make such good lemonade as Justin. And so he was able to take something that looked bad and find the good and find a way to carry out mission in an even more powerful way. So in doing this, remember 2 Corinthians 5.20 as our mission. He has committed to us the, the message of reconciliation. In everything you do, find a way. Remember our mission is reconciling people to God where they're changed from the inside out by the gospel. We are ambassadors. That is part of what we are called to do. So, and as we do this, let's also allow transformational work in our lives, transformational work in other lives, be a source of encouragement and strength. Remember those three things to do. Um, and as we close, I just want to, just maybe there's some people out there that have never been reconciled to God or have never experienced that coming out of darkness into light. If you've never really had that turn on the light moment, maybe you still have not fully experienced the gospel in your life. So I'm going to pray with you. And if you're not sure if that's you, I just want you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, I thank you that you showed so greatly your love for us, the Father's love for us, through your death on the cross. 
that you took my sin and gave me your goodness in its place, that I am no longer held accountable for my transgressions, and that you also cleanse me, change me, and give me a new life, and help me to follow you, to find my purpose, to find my assignments in you, because I yield and give my life to you as you gave your life for me. And I thank you for salvation and freedom in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, church, it was great being with you. Remember uh, this coming week to join in some of our prayer times. And God bless you this new year abundantly, abundantly as you walk in his ways. We trust that you were blessed. For more information regarding our church, please go to our website at www.resurrectionchurchofny.com or call 718-436-0242, extension 0.